the fact that as a man that you're okay with your sexuality to be able to go and do that, uh, I find that to be a tremendous skill or ability of yours. Well, and I'm probably the, the least sexy dancer type puller there could ever be. Oh, come on, you can twerk better than I can, dude. I've seen you twerk. Well, I try. It is time to grab a glass of wine and a yummy cupcake. This is Blooming Onion Sessions with Nikki Knox, your podcast for conversations in creating a meaningful life. Let's listen in. I just, as I said before, I'm so fascinated with everything you do, and it's not just the pole fitness, but I have to know how you got started in pole fitness. It was actually kind of a random thing. Um, I think my wife and I were watching a movie late one night, and I just went over to the computer and was on YouTube because I was always always a big fan of YouTube, just looking at random videos. And I came across a pole dancer who had a pretty unusual name. She was Tara Karina, the vertical ballerina. And she was from Britain, and I, I kind of nicknamed her the garage girl because she pulled in a storage unit, at least I think it was a storage unit, or a garage, and her pull was framed by the rectangular doorway where the light came in, and she did all of her pulling in this little either garage or storage unit, and um, I just kind of became obsessed with her videos, and um, at the time, I didn't have any, you know, I don't think we had iPhone, this was 2008. I don't think we had iPhones or smartphones, but back then they had a little thing called a flip cam. You remember those? Yes. And um, I I got one of those either for Christmas or a birthday or somehow acquired one and um, decided to do a skit about making a pole and putting it in the basement. And I asked Lori to just yell in the background, you're not putting a pole in this damn house. And she did it, and, we, and I put it up just kind of t- to test the camera and see if I could upload a video. And I think at that point, the and I had a little piece, of, a plumbing piece, to make the base of a pole. And I think, I think in the back of my mind, I already knew that the skit, which was meant to be a joke, was going to become a real thing, that I was going to go ahead and try to build one. And so I made a series of about five or six videos of building the pole. I think they're still up on YouTube. Um, the old name of my channel was Pole Dance Fan, but I changed it to my real name, so you can find them if you're out there. Um, Googling under my real name, um, Joel Lessing. I think part of the re- I used to leave a lot of comments on videos, and it got to be to the point where it seemed kind of stupid to be making comments about something that you had never done or experienced, you know, it's sort of like, you know, the, like coaching a sport that you'd never done, you know, it just, it seemed kind of ridiculous. So, um, at one point after I built the pole, I just started imitating some of the moves and trying to do it. And, um, it kind of just, it took off from there. Um, eventually I did meet some of the people that I knew on, well there was, I wasn't on Facebook at the time, it was all YouTube. Now, do you remember what YouTube was like in 2009? You could, you could actually have your own homepage and you could leave comments on the page. 
and um, the first pole dancer I met in real life was um, Diana Secura. She's Diana Hicks now on, on Facebook. And um, I had always been commenting on her videos, and so we actually went to the Midwest Pole Jam. I think the first one was in 2009. That's actually where I first encountered our mutual friend, Amy. Except I didn't, I don't think I met her then, but I went back and have looked at the pictures from that event and have seen her and some of the people from Lush um, in those pictures. Although I didn't, I, I mean, I was sort of vaguely aware of who they were, but I didn't know any of their names. I didn't know my instructor at the time. Um, so yeah, that's how it got started. It was just um, YouTube, you know. And I have to admit, I mean, it was kind of a voyeuristic thing at first before I really um, got into doing it and participating in the whole community aspect of it, which I do now. So that's that's how it started. Now, how hard was it to get started? And just because it's very female-centric, right, yeah. and it's... Um, it, you would think very difficult for a male to come into, not just because females might be find it off-putting, but and and the community accepts you greatly. But how was it in the beginning, and how you got started with that? It, it, it was actually difficult in terms of wanting to move from beyond doing it in the basement and learning moves on YouTube or social media and actually wanting to go to a studio. In 2008 and 2009, there weren't even that many studios to begin with, much less this whole argument about whether or not a studio should accept male students or not. We hadn't even, there weren't even enough studios to even have that argument in 2008. I think at that time in the Chicago area, there was maybe one studio, it was T's, and they were located at the time in Naperville, they, they've since moved. Um, the way I got to a pole studio was uh, my wife and I went to see Peter Pan at the Blocking uh, Looking Glass Theater. It's a downtown by Water Tower Place. So this is really kind of weird. At, at the theater over the men's urinal, they have TV sets, which is kind of cr crazy and bizarre, but they run advertising while you're using the bathroom. And there was an ad for this place called Actors Gymnasium, which is a circus school in Evanston. And that's how I met our mutual Amy, friends. Yes. Right. And um, I thought, well, I can't do polls, so I'll just I'll check this out. And um, the beginner's class at um, Actors Gymnasium is set up so that each weekend you you got about an hour and a half to do different apparatus. So they have um, what they call Spanish web, which is really just another word for rope. But it's a special kind of rope that's filled with, um, like, bunting, and it's it's webbing on the outside. It's basically like a stuffed fire hose with the safety loop that you can hang from. Lira, which is the round trapeze, and then um, what they call static trapeze. And that's different from a flying trapeze. That's where you... Um, you don't really swing on it, you just do moves on it. And silks. And I had gotten extremely frustrated with it because I couldn't do any of it. I couldn't really lift myself up. And uh, so this one lady comes up to me and she said to me, Oh, don't don't get discouraged. There's a secret to this, which is you just keep taking the beginner class over and over, <laughs> like I do. And uh, 
I always say Amy kind of saved my life. She really did. Because if she had not intervened at that moment, um, I would have never come back. So um, she would, you know, send me messages and, and text me or whatever to make sure that I was going to come that weekend. Eventually, about a year and a half into that, um, Amy had a surprise birthday party for me and invited some of the ladies from Blush to come to, and, and some of them had come and done drop-ins before, so I, I knew some of them already. And Blush is a pole studio is a, in Milwaukee. a pole studio in Milwaukee, right. And that was how I met Maureen, who was one of the owners, and um, she basically just invited me to start coming to classes. Um, it wasn't really a formal thing at the time. I think um, her Thursdays were open from 8.30 to 10 for students that had missed a class to do makeup. So it was open pole. And so it became open pole and co-ed. And uh, that's kind of how my relationship, that's why people always ask me, why do you drive 100 and, it's 107 miles. It's, during road construction, it's two hours. It's 90 minutes if you speed and the highway is clear. So that, that's how I ended up, um, you know, pulling in Milwaukee. Even though now, in Chicago, we have at least five studios. And I'll feel bad if I leave someone out. There's T's Rising Goddess, which is where my wife takes hammocks and hula dancing. I say Rising Goddess. Um, the Brass Ring. Uh, there's a choreography-focused place a little bit north of there, and I'm forgetting their name. Um, Tiger Lily. There's quite a few now, and all of them either have a co-ed class or are co-ed. Um, so the idea of men and pole, uh, it's gradually gaining acceptance, although it's still um, it's still somewhat of a controversy. Um, Part of that is for marketing reasons, I think because for a lot of women who come into pole dance, in the beginning, it's it's a big step to do something like this, um, and I think it's difficult to market a beginner's class, and then you have a new student, maybe a young female student, come in and feel a little bit intimidated, because usually, you, for the body grip issue, you're not wearing a lot of clothes, and so that does sort of make it hard. Um, but then there are studios, I'm thinking of one in Montreal, for example, and Body and Pole in New York, which are fairly militantly co-ed and always have been. Um, I, I don't have strong feelings about that issue, as many people might think, because I do feel that there's an aspect of pole that's kind of like a refuge and a healing type situation for many women who go into it. And so I do understand why some studios feel that they want to preserve at least some classes that are just female only. And so I'm okay with that. Um, personally, I'm fine if a studio has some classes that are uh, women only and some that are not. Um, I do get that sanctuary aspect of whole. Although I know that there's a lot of strong feelings on both sides of that. And... Um, I have some male polar friends who, who feel very differently about that. Um, yeah, so that is an issue. Personally, for me, it's never been an issue because um, I've made so many comments and so many friends in the Poland universe that most people already know me. 
So in a lot of situations when I've taken a workshop or gone to a studio, they already know who I am. So it isn't a situation where I have to sort of prove that I'm not just there for some nefarious purpose or whatever. So um, I've been lucky. I've been very lucky that way. Well, I think also you have a um, an openness. I mean, it cannot, not even just the notion of protection for for the female, right? Because it is a right. very uh, vulnerable, intimate practice. But the fact that as a man that you're okay with your sexuality to be able to go and do that, uh, I find that to be a tremendous skill or ability of yours. Well, and I'm probably the, the least sexy dancer type holder there could ever be. Oh, come on. You can twerk better than I can, dude. I've seen you twerk. Well, I try. <laughs> it's, you know, the thing about pole that's really awesome is is that there are a lot of different things you can do within it. I mean, you can come at pole from the exotic dance perspective, which is where the modern pole movement really does sort of originate in that, in, in erotic dancing and clubs. But there is... There are also people who, who do it from more of a ballet point of view or contemporary dance. There is um, there are people who do circus pole. There are people who um, are only interested in doing like tricks and combos and see it more as a gymnasticy thing. You know, I always say that pole is a sport and it's also a dance. So, and I guess you could say that in the movement or in the community. I don't want to. Use, I don't want to say there's a there's a battle between those two sides of it, but there's sometimes a little bit of conflict between what we call the fitness side and the the dance side, and I, I always feel reluctant to take a stand that way because one of the issues there's two two sort of different aspects of pole. There's pole community online, where most of us have been around for seven or eight years, and we've had a longer investment in what pole is about. So we're more comfortable with the erotic side of it, more comfortable with the sexual side of it. But then there's pole as a business on the corner in conservative communities, where if you try to open up a pole dance studio, you've got to get past the city council, you've got to get past the zoning committee, and so... Tilting or pitching your business as more of a fitness and a sport-related activity makes sense because you can't stay in business if you um, if you can't get a license and you can't get customers to come to the door. And um, but for me personally, um, I like the idea that we welcome everybody. I mean, my I have no preferences one way or another. I I love all of it. Um, I love floor work and floor grinding, and I like um, uh, what, what we call a walk around or, or foot tracing, which is just where you walk around the pole and do basically just like dancing with the pole. I like aerial work and combos. I like stripper style. And I also like um, some of the more kind of crazy. Um, there's some French and Dutch uh, male polers who do a lot of, it's kind of like a hybrid of parkour. And I don't even know how to describe it. Running at the pole and doing flips. and um, It's kind of crazy. <laughs> but it's fun to watch. Um, it's very different from what you might see in a strip club. But, um, but it's legit. It's just different. 
And I, I do think there is room for all of it. And, you know, it's a big movement. So that's kind of where I come down on that. And has it shifted anything for you? So one of the things I've noticed, uh, it, being that I myself have not participated outside of the little that um, Amy has brought me into, which I'm very thankful and I do hope one day to get more involved when I'm more like in a place for longer than two days because I do feel like you have to, if you're going to commit to it, you can't just go in in one day and all of a sudden be doing all the tricks. It takes a lot to work your way to it and so I've seen the women who were very shy and very body conscious walk out of a class right. completely embracing who they are and and, and and shifting has that occurred for you in any sense or can you talk about even any of the women you've seen that have gone through that I, I would say that for me getting involved in polls kind of like finding your people and this is really hard to explain because most people have a concept about who pole dancers are or what they do that's really only focused on that aspect of sexuality and empowerment when in fact pole people are really diverse. They tend to be they are probably the nerdiest people you will ever meet. And one of the one of the stories that I like to tell, um, one of the websites that's famous for pole is Studio Vino. Two or three years ago we did a census of uh, the professions and occupations and it was mostly women. The number of chemical engineers alone was staggering. I think out of the 90 or 95 people that answered, there were six chemical engineers, which you couldn't find six chemical engineers anywhere in any random sampling of people. Um, there are a lot of medical people. Um, I actually have polled with an anesthesiologist, an ob more nurses than I can you know, shake a stick at, a dentist, um, People, people in poll tend to sort of be, in some ways, they were always the people that were kind of on the periphery, and I've always kind of felt that way. So it's not just doing the poll thing with very little clothing on. It's being around people who are different in the same or in similar ways that I was, and just feeling more. It's you know, a poll tends to ruin you for real life. You know, when you after you go to a convention or a pole event and you spend a lot of time at these events, the other things you do in your life don't seem as exciting or brilliant or as bright or as vivid as those things. And um, I've had several people say that to me. Um, for me, the biggest personal change in being around an activity that's mostly women is the dramatic transformation in my understanding of the amount of crap that women have to deal with in their daily life, which I might have been intellectually aware of, but you should really see my newsfeed on Facebook. I mean, it's just... Yes, you should. Yeah, it's... it's. I mean, not It's just, awesome. It is but, awesome. But not, the, not so much the poll pictures, but the litany of insane behavior by men that um, and, and not all of the posts are for women who dance you know they're not all from exotic dancers much of it's from just women in their ordinary professional life who deal with it's like a Niagara Falls of misogyny 
um, garden variety harassment um, and just general stupidity from guys. And I and I think I don't I, I didn't really I, I mean I, I again at an intellectual level I think I did I, I knew that but I didn't really perceive it at the gut level and um, so that's probably been the most important change for me and it's created this whole life you know so all of my travel is mostly around Paul. Uh, my wife is peripherally involved in it because she uh, she's a hula hooper. And she studies at Rising Goddess, which the owner of that studio actually has a friend that pulls at one of the other studios. So there's a real intimate connection. Um, the community here in Chicago is actually pretty tight. I would say that um, unlike some of the other pole cities, who shall remain unmentioned, <laughs> because some cities are a little bit more competitive than others, here in Chicago... There's pretty much good relationships among and between all of the studios. Um, you'll find that there's some, some of the instructors teach at multiple places, or they may teach at one place and dance at a showcase in another. Some of the people I met through Paul also work in my field, so I've actually, I've actually gone out to lunch with some of them just for, at work. And um, so now, and my wife and I now have friends in common, in fact, her instructor for hammocks is actually the sister of someone that I have actually pulled with in another studio. So it's it's become a whole social life, and that's really fun. I, I, I really do enjoy it. And how is it, so you started with the circus, and then you moved to the pole. Why, you know, I know Amy kind of bounces back and forth between them. Like right now she's yeah. really into the Lyra um, and taking those classes. And I know she still does the pole, but she, she kind of does a whole gamut of things and what she's right. more heavily into depends on the moment which is part of what I love a, a, about her um, for you you started with the circus stuff but you are most of what I see from you is the pole is there yeah, a reason no, you gravitated always, no it was always pole in the beginning the major reason for going to um, to actors gymnasium was just because there was no other outlet for learning some of the basic skills like inverting stretching, flexibility, which I was still terrible at. <laughs> and um, as soon as the opportunity became available to do pole, I pretty much went back to that. I don't do it as much as at home because um, one of my kids is living at home again, so that area of my house has kind of been taken over by stuff. But um, I think pole dance has started to Again, it sort of goes back to this this division and poll about how do you take something and market it to the general public? Um, because when you own a studio, I mean, you know, because if you own a, a yoga studio, you have to figure out a way to get people in the door all day long. And so expanding into things like Lyra and Silks and yoga... And um, there are even actually a very famous pole studio out west, Pole Potential, actually is also a Pilates studio. They have two storefronts side by side. And one half they do, they have those reformer racks, and then they have a circus school in that part of the building, and then they have a pole dance studio in the other part. Um, so you do see a lot of pole studios now offering Lyra hammocks, which is kind of like a modified form of silks, but it's closed at the bottom, so... 
you lose your grip, you don't fall. You just kind of just plop down into the to the hammock. It's a little bit safer for beginners, and um, hammock is adaptable to yoga. Um, and another thing too is is that bringing in circus into bowl studios makes it easier to have children um, take classes too. Although actually there are a couple of studios around the country that do have pole classes for kids. But um, again, it's just it's marketing. I think I think that's part of it. So what's happening is is that pole dance, circus, and the aerial sports are they're tending to merge. And I'm just trying to think here in Chicago. I believe every single studio has at least a lira. I know Tease has silks. I'm not sure about Tiger Lily if they have aerial equipment, but they might. Um, so it's, it's become pretty. It's become pretty common. And you know the skills are related. So for example, on lira, there's a lot of hand grip work, which is similar to pole work. Many of the moves in silks and Spanish web or rope are actually the same as pole moves, except the device is not a rigid device. But the combos and the, um, the movements are, are pretty similar. And the inverting skills, the core strength issues are, are similar. So, yeah. How long did it take you to be able to do some of the tricks you're doing? Because here's the thing. I'm a Pilates instructor, so when it comes to core, you would say I'm pretty much got that down pat and that's part of why Amy wants to get me into the pole studio because she thinks that I can that I'm going to be able to that I'm going to be good at it that's why she keeps telling me or to do the circus stuff Um, but I remember doing the silks the once we were out at um, I can't remember whose it was they had a dance studio in a barn and the uh, people from the actors gym were leaving for San Francisco and 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 I like the first time I put my foot in the silk I fell right down (laughs) could not do any of it. I mean, what you guys are doing amazes me because I know how difficult it is. You make it look easy, but I know how difficult it is. So how how has that process been for you? Because what you're doing is just insane, the way you're holding your body on the pole or climbing up it. I mean, that takes a tremendous amount of strength and mental strength. I think I've always been a permanent beginner. I mean, I, I haven't really progressed too much past the beginner stage, but I, I will say that I got into it in 100% perfectly the wrong way. I wasn't taking any classes. I wasn't paying attention to flexibility or safety. I did have a spotter. I did eventually get some mats for the basement. Um, I don't, my my sport of choice for my entire life has been bike riding. So I have huge quads and hamstrings. They're, I can't, I touching my knees is a challenge, much less bending over touching my toes, which takes about 20 minutes in the morning to get there. What, what I would say, and, and again, I'm not an expert in this, but what I would say from the standpoint of an instructor in fitness, for pole or for aerial, you're, you either need to be, there are a couple of things that will help and will cover for other deficits. So, for example, if you are not strong, then it helps to be flexible. Because through flexibility, you can get your your arm or your feet back around to the pole or back around to the silk or whatever apparatus you're on and compensate for the fact that you're not super strong. If you're a man and you're muscled up, and a lot of guys are muscled up, you're not going to be flexible. Um, 
muscling up probably doesn't help as much as a combination of long and lean muscle and trying to maintain your weight. If you muscle up and you get heavier, it's not going to help. Um, but again, strength can compensate for a lack of flexibility. The other thing would be if you want to perform, either compete or do showcases, having a dance background or having been involved in any kind of performative sport like um, cheerleading, modern or contemporary dance, ballet, um, any of the sort of movement arts, mo movement arts or movement sciences, because then you've learned how, how to control your movement or how to control your body. And I haven't done any of those three things. <laughs> but it's, um, you know, you, if you don't have one, you can use the other two to compensate. If you've taken a dance class and you know how to make your, your arms and your feet and your hands look pretty, that helps. If you haven't done that, but you're strong and you can you can throw down some good aerial combos and by brute force, that's not bad. That's good too. Or if you're very flexible, um, you know that helps also. Uh, but you know you can do pole without ever your feet ever leaving the ground. I mean, there's a whole um, the genre of pole. I, I call it foot tracing, but you can call it walk, walking around. Well, you're basically just walking around the pole and moving your feet and your legs and doing pass-throughs and um, kind of like salsa steps at the pole. Where you, you don't, it doesn't matter, you know, what athletic ability you have as long as you're able to just, you know, move your feet through a three and a half minute song, and you can follow step patterns or learn your own steps or invent something. So you do not have to be. Um, you don't have to be, you know, 95 pounds and, and super light. Uh, you don't have to be Superman, super muscled up. There's all kinds of different ways you can do this. What would you say for some of the women you've seen, what has their experience been from them coming through the door to them leaving? Because I want a male perspective of it, which is very, you're going to have a different perspective than, let's say, us, us women, because uh, we just, we have a different lens, right? We, we have the, the empathy, we, we know what it is to live in that world, and as you said, it's kind of shifted your perspective on it. What have you seen for these women that have come in through the door, maybe a little shy, and and, and how it's helped them? It's, it's hard for me to speak for another gender, and I don't want to kind of talk out of turn, but I would say... It can be just an observation. Yeah, I mean, my observation is, is that a, a difference between men and women, or what society expects, is that men have license or permission to behave pretty much in any way they want to in any settings without it being instantly judged. So, you know, if a guy wants to be athletically competent, you know, make muscles and take his shirt off and whatever and, you know, do one of these sort of like end zone displays after game, people are fine with that. But women sort of in our society are forced to make a choice, especially if you're a professional where you've either got to take a certain kind of role, a certain kind of set of behaviors, and it usually involves shutting off any sort of expressive or sexual side of yourself in a way that men aren't, men aren't necessarily, and as you know from recent news events, men are not necessarily feeling that they're constrained in that way. 
the pole studio and pole dancing does give you an avenue to do that in an area that's safe, in an area where it's acceptable. And, you know, it's hard for me to say. I, I, I think it's probably still the case that that doesn't necessarily mean that, that you'll change the way you behave outside other than just having more confidence in general. And, well, what I would say is, for example, if you have performed in a pole routine or a pole competition and done that in front of an audience of 300 or 400 people, there are probably not going to be very many other things that intimidate you. So there is that aspect of it. And I did I did perform once, and which is another funny story, but that involves my pole friend uh, convincing me <laughs> to make a promise with a few shots of tequila. <laughs> the guilty party shall remain nameless. <laughs> but... Um, after I did do that, um, you know, several months after that, I have often said to myself when I've had to do either training sessions at work or just do some little presentation, well, geez, I mean, I was a guy that pole danced in front of 120 people in Detroit. I could probably do this little 15-minute thing on the rules and regulations for, you know, social work and nursing homes or whatever. So it does give you that it's like once you've done that, well, you, you feel like you could do anything. And I think that probably is helpful for a lot of people that do it. Um, you know, I don't want to over-intellectualize all of this because there is an aspect of pole that's really just a lot of fun. I mean, it is... When you're doing pole, you're not really intellectualizing like this at all. You're, you're just having fun with people that you enjoy being with. And it's, it can be kind of crazy and goofy and silly sometimes. And because it's, when you sort of enter the studio or you go to one of these events, there's kind of an understanding that it's almost like you're among family, so it's comfortable in that way. And, um, you know, there's, there's the politicking and the posting and the arguing that will take place sometimes in social media. But that has very little to do with the lived experience of actually just going to a pole event, which is just really a lot of fun. And there's this moment, like in Midwest every year, it happens at about 1.15 to 3.30 on Sunday, where you suddenly realize that it's all coming to an end, and it, it just hits you like a brick wall, like for the last 40 hours you've had this incredible experience and then you realize oh god I gotta get up tomorrow go to work <laughs> and th that's what it means for me you know it, it, it's not it, it's it's not so much the the theory of it or the practice of it it's pole is a community or at least that's what it's been for me it is a community of like-minded people who really just enjoy spending time and doing fun things on that metal bar. And yeah, sometimes it's sexy, but that's not it's not all about that. So. And were you instantly embraced when you when you joined in the community? Because I mean, like I was telling you earlier, I I, I watch your feed and everybody had a cutout. It was at one of the pole events, and everybody had a cutout of your face. And, it, I mean, it just, yeah. it, I've, they embrace you tremendously. I've been really, really blessed. Um, I think a lot of that has to do with having 
gone to the first Midwest that Mary Ellen Weissman had in, I want to say, 2010. And it's funny because Midwest has gone on to become the North American Championship of Convention. But at the time, there were just um, maybe 30 of us, and we had 10 poles in a little rec center, and there were three or four people to a pole. Uh, the core group of people that showed up at that pole jam, which only lasted a few hours, and then we went out to a Mexican restaurant. A lot of them were the, some of the people that were YouTube pollers. Most of those people are still around today. They're still my friends. Um, Glitter or, or Diana, you know, Anna Mae, Pam. You know, I'm terrible. I, I won't remember everyone because I'm, I'm too nervous to remember. But, um, and I was, I was never in a situation where I just entered a cold turkey. In fact, it was sort of the opposite. I would go places that people would already know who I was. And I'm very grateful for that. I mean, I, I, um, I don't even know if I really deserve all the attention. I don't deserve all the attention I get, really. But I, I'm grateful for it. It's been a good thing in my life. It's kind of saved my life. And I really um, didn't really have any sort of interest or cool thing that I did. And uh, this has been pretty cool. It's been a lot of fun. And... Um, I just, I really enjoyed it at that level. How do you stay motivated to drive to Milwaukee? I know you talk about the community, oh. but the, I mean, and Amy has the same drive too. Because she used to drive to Chicago she all the time. She came down here to do circus, right. And so, I mean, both of you amaze me because if it's not 15 minutes from my home, I'm like, that's too far, especially in traffic of Chicago or something. How do you stay motivated to well, do that? Because you go almost... Most Thursdays. Right. Yeah, pretty much. You drive to Milwaukee. There's a, real, a simple answer to that question is the Thursday night group has become kind of an extended family. For example, last year my wife and Amy did the Bastille Day run together. Um, uh, one of the things that Maureen and DJ have done is they have other social activities around the studio. Uh, we've done the glass blowing thing. We usually do a group trip to the state fair because they, uh, Blush has to be closed during the state fair because um, there's no parking. And so there are about five regulars in our class, um, and they've been coming for years. Some of them were the people that would come to Chicago and do circus. So um, we do other things. You know, we've, we've gone to, like I said, to the state fair, other events. So it's kind of like a family or a community. And it's also kind of pretty cool that my wife and my wife and I actually started going up there three years ago for Bastille Day. So we would get a hotel at the end of the festival, and then we would call all the bus people on the phone and meet at Cathedral Square, where they actually usually have a acro yoga and a circus set up. And some of the Chicago ladies that do circus, I think of, of Ashley Addison in particular, actually come up there and perform. So. And she's a pole person, too, so she does pole and circus. So it just it kind of feeds on itself. I, I, I always tell people, pole dancers are everywhere. Um, you, you would be surprised. And even in my job as a, as a nursing home inspector, about a month ago I came across an administrator whose daughter was a circus instructor and knew one of the pole instructors at Tees. So, yeah, it's um, it's kind of a small world. Well, I 
find it a, a fascinating world. Um, and one of the things that I love is that you have such a passion for life. And, and I see it in the poll. I see it in uh, your work from what I see your posts. Um, I see various things. You're just very passionate. And I've always felt that way in any conversations that we've had. How do you keep that upbeat and that passion? Because I never see you um, down, or I mean, you're always such a oh, bright. Person. You're always such a bright person, and your laugh always just. Oh, I, I love it. That would have to be entirely due to the influence of my wife Lori, who is the sane, balanced person in my life, who probably keeps me from going entirely bonkers. I mean, I am really grateful for that. I mean, I actually do tend to be, I can sometimes be a little bit off the rails and high anxiety, but I've been very blessed that um, I married someone who is really rock solid, calm, not prone to panic attacks or overreacting to stuff. So I was really nervous today, <laughs> all morning. Yeah, so... Um, She's really been great, and she's put up with so much. You know, it's funny because she's kind of my pole travel agent now. So I will, like I'm going up to um, Girly Show in Hamilton, which is a production that Fran McKenzie does uh, six times a year. She has two Girly Shows, two Canadian Great White North competitions, and I think she has a couple summer showcases. And so I'll just say, oh, you know, Fran is having something in Hamilton. And Lori will be like, oh, hold on a second. I have to go on the auction site. You know, so she's she's got all of those uh, Southwest discount and whatever those auction sites are. If I if I were to make the reservations and, and rent the car, it would cost three times as much. And she always gets, like, a really good deal and prints up everything for me. So I, I, it's all there in a folder. So I don't freak out and get confused. And and she's uh, we've done some stuff together. We went to Los Angeles for a pole convention two years ago. And the deal was we had to go to the Getty, which was fine because I um, I like art museums. In fact, you know from Amy that Lori, has, Lori and I actually came up to Milwaukee two years ago and I am blocking on the name of the French artist that does the posters um, it'll come to me this is the problem with being 55 we can talk about aging in pole dancers too <laughs> but um, and yeah so she, well, she always goes to Midwest you know because it's at a resort so we just we get a, the room for the weekend and I think after my wife probably doesn't like to sit through 12 hours of it like I can, but she'll go to the major events. Um, I can be a bit of a diehard. For the, for the last three years, I have sat through every single hour of Central, which starts at 8 in the morning and goes until about 10 at night on Saturday. And from about 8 in the morning till about 3.30 or 4 on Sunday, which is Labor Day, uh, no, Memorial Day weekend before the holiday. So that's 24 hours of pull nonstop, usually with just a 20-minute break to run to the coffee shop and get a whole bunch of sweet rolls. 
and one of the other male polars, and I, Benjamin Cameron Hunt, you, you probably heard of. We sat in our seats 24 hours and watched every single performer. And um, that's probably an extreme <laughs> that most people would do, but I have to admit that at the end of that weekend, I was kind of sick of pole for about a day. <laughs> I turned off my computer and I said, that's it, I can't look at any more pole. But by Wednesday, I think I was probably doing it again. Well, you, you opened up the, the doorway for aging in pole. What are your thoughts on that? Um, basically, flexibility and recovery is really hard. Um, as you age, and I, actually I know this from bike riding. I used to bike ride every day. I would go down the Navy Pier and back. It's about 34 miles. And you know, my knees won't take that. They just start to burn. So now it's three days a week. Um, last summer, I didn't pull much at all because I had this bursitis on my elbow, which is all swollen up. And you know, a bursitis on your elbow is, is something that a person in their 20s or their 30s could probably either just ice it or maybe get it drained. And in four or five days, they'd be good. For me, it was like six weeks. So you do, you just. You know that, um, and of course weight is an issue for me because I do weigh 205, so you're not, you're not going to be performing or even doing things at, that, at the level that someone in their 20s would do. That being said, um, we do have a 76-year-old polar, her name is Greta Pontarelli, and yeah, she's just, I don't know if you've seen her videos, yeah. She's, I mean, she's a public persona, so I, I think it's okay to use her full name. She's, she's a well-known public persona. Um, she's been on YouTube for ages. Greta has competed in Masters. So usually they'll have something they call a Masters level event, where there's an age threshold of either 40 or 50. It depends on who's running a particular event. But 40 is usually the cutoff or thereabouts. And Greta has blown away <laughs> you know several competitions I, I mean and I, I may have her age wrong I hope I'm not but it, she is in her 70s I, I may be a little bit wrong on the exact age but she is ridiculously fabulous um, I mean she actually pulls like a 25 yeah when you see it you just you literally can't believe it you're like oh my gosh and um in at Midwest this year in Masters, I think Mary Ellen had about ten or twelve competitors, and then I think she added a division this year that was even older than Masters. It was a little bit older; it might have been fifty and older. And um, some of those people are pretty incredible. Yeah. So yeah, there's. I'm trying to think of some other names. Um, Mary Saratella, I think, is another one that's very, very well known. She actually, um, she gives workshops. And I think I might have said her name wrong, but that's the other problem with aging. Your, your memory is just totally shot. 
but so you don't have to be in your 20s if you wanted to try pole. There, there's plenty you can gain from it without needing to to do that, right? I mean, I think I think we get a misconception so many times that in our society, we get old means we can't we can't explore new things, we can't do new things. It's too hard on the body. It's too this. It's too that. When there really are aspects, you're not going to do it like a 20 year old, and nor exactly. should we be with just the wisdom, just pure wisdom. When you were 20, you did a lot of stupid things. Just pure right. wisdom of age, we've learned you know, how to work with it a little bit more. And so I, that would be my thought on, on No, that. that's exactly right. I mean, I think in pole, if you can put your hand on the pole and take your outside leg and step around and then lift lift that hand on the uh, that's on the pole and then just duck your head underneath and reverse directions and put your foot down to the beat of the music, your pole dance, right there. And kind of one of the sort of inside jokes or, or things we talk about in pole when a person will make a comment on a video and say, oh, that, that looks so easy, anybody could do that, is just put on a song, any kind of um, rock and roll song or disco song, whatever kind of music you like, and just practice doing a walk around to the beat for three minutes and 30 seconds and see if you don't get tired. Now, talking about tricks or aerial or inverts, just, in fact, there's an easy sort of um, continuous weave you can do where you just, you walk around and then you do a salsa step, which is where you just lift your hand and duck your head under, you reverse directions swing your lead outward, and then reverse and go back. So you can do that over and over for hours on end. It's a continuous weave or a continuous loop of walking around. Just see how long you can do that. And most people will find that after about four minutes of that, they're about ready to fall over and die. So, um, and, you know, this is about, you don't have to worry about a shoulder injury if you're doing that. You don't have to worry about falling. It's just walking to a beat. And like I said, that's that's a foot trace. It's a basic, simple foot trace. And it, at, at an elemental level, you're pole dancing when you're doing that. So, yeah, there's no... You don't have to be super fit. And well, I'm not super fit. I'd say you're more fit than you probably realize. Well, a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> and you don't... And, you, and the, you know... I'm not going to say weight isn't an issue. Weight is an issue for aerial work. Um, obviously, you know, it's easier to lift less off the ground than it is to lift more. But it is certainly not the case that there's any kind of, you know, prohibition or, you know, range that you have to be in. Um, you can pretty, you know, you just, you make the pole your own. You do whatever you can do. And you adapt it to whatever your needs or your interests or your physical capabilities are. Um, sure, there are always going to be people that are 85, 90 pounds who started out when they were 7 or 8 years old in a gym program. And they are going to be busting out the special case splits and um, doing double flips off the pole. And, and those things are really, really cool. And I... I love watching those things, and I have no problem with that. But I also enjoy just watching people uh, do more basic things. In fact, um, one of the things I really like about Midwest 
one of the things that Mary Ellen did about five years ago was create something she called the Essentials Division. And in Essentials, you're actually forbidden to invert. Um, I don't know all the details of the rules, but the basic guideline in Essentials is you stay on the floor and you dance to some sort of themed music. And I think um, in recent years, she hasn't set any sort of level requirement for it. So advanced bowlers could, if they wanted to, step down to Essentials and compete within those limited parameters. And it's really awesome. You know, you just get to see some really, really fun routines and um, nobody's, you know, flying up into the air or doing anything that requires a lot of gymnastic skill. Well, they say that when we have a little bit more of a constraint, more creativity yes. comes out, whereas when you have the whole gamut open to you, um, it's almost like the brain gets overwhelmed, but that those constraints actually can help produce more creative results because um, you have to work around, uh, have, you have to right. do a workaround. Yeah, no, I think that's right. I think that's right. Yeah. George Balanchine, he said something perfect, is it perfect control is perfect creativity? I know I've got that quote rock, but um, yeah, I've heard that, and I think I think that's definitely true. It's kind of like um, you know, writing poetry within the limitations of a haiku or a limerick or something like that. Yeah. Well, and I think it's also important to understand that the tricks are great to watch. Like, I, I enjoy it very much. I, Being a, a yogi, I enjoy watching uh, the yogis do tricks and things like that. But I remember one instructor, this has always stuck with me, that said, that's just human tricks. That's not the meat of the work. That's not where it comes down to. And it's not about who can do the best trick. Um, it's about showcasing who you are and that to me is what is so much more important about it or getting that connection and in tune with yourself with yoga it's about you know that 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 connection being in line and i would imagine with pole there's something of that as well so that you can express yourself and it's not the people that can do all the tricks it's the people that are able to show who they are that most people are probably drawn to and the tricks might come there, but that's not right, the, right. the need of it. No, I think that's true. And, and um, that's kind of one of the reasons why I have really preferred showcasing to competitions, although I'm not necessarily, you know, putting a position out there that I, I don't like competition or, or whatever. But with when you go to pole dance showcases, which are usually multi-level, you're not in any sort of rule bound thing. You're just you're a lot more free to to either bring some sort of narrative element into what you're doing or expressive element. Um, and actually, what you're saying about yoga is so true because many many people who do pole there's a lot of crossover in pole with other stuff and. It's funny because there's a very famous pole dancer who kind of jokes that she got into pole because she didn't like yoga and uh, she wanted to do something that was totally the opposite of yoga. 
and um, which which is a sentiment I kind of get. You know, she wanted something that seemed a little bit more more wild and free. But in fact, I think if you look as the movement has sort of gone on and matured, you see that we all borrow and loan elements of our teaching back and forth. And there's even been sort of like the creation now of these hybrid um, entities, you know, um, using hammocks for assistive yoga, um, adapting some of the Pilates techniques to the pole. I mean, you see that. Um, oh, yeah. I see it all the yeah. time when I see what you guys are doing. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And, of course, I'm probably the worst at that sort of thing. I, I was taking yoga for a while, and I... It, the night that the restorative yoga class was on turned out, not to, it changed. It wasn't a good night anymore, but this conversation is making me think I need to go back <laughs> because um, I'm, I'm kind of an impatient person, and I like the structure of it. Yoga is very, it's very structured. And it, it, I need something to keep from always wanting to rush through things. Um, Amy and my wife and I did uh, the morning yoga at the planetarium uh, a couple of months ago. That was fun. Chris, I was really hungry and I kept thinking, God, when is the food coming? <laughs> uh, that would just be par for the course, yes. Yeah. So. Well, and I... Um, I had a hard time initially with yoga, so uh, the first time I really tried yoga was not my thing. Uh, it was too slow for me because I, too, have a, a tendency to want to move. I'm a mover, so I, I, I need to always constantly be on, on the move, and I was one of those people that the leg would go up and down when I would sit, so yeah. <laughs> I have all this nervous energy, um, and so yoga was really difficult in the beginning. But I took a Pilates class, and Pilates moves. So the difference between one of the differences between Pilates and yoga, although yoga has changed so much from back when I'm talking 12 years ago when I took that first Pilates class, Pilates everything moves. So it's, you never hold anything in Pilates. You're not supposed to. It's classically it's a, it's all about moving. So that like was my gateway drug into yoga because I could calm down enough from mm -hmm. that that then yoga was more available to me and, and do you do the mat Pilates or the the apparatus all Pilates? so I'm I'm trained in um, in all all apparatus and even the smaller apparatus that some people don't know about and, and the mat mat was always my favorite but yeah. I'm trained in all of the apparatus. I work out at Loyola, and I think they do have a, a certified map plan. It's just the official there. But I just, the group, you know, it's hard just getting to the one whole class a week. Getting to a scheduled thing, so hard. And you drive to Milwaukee for it. Let's, let's remind people that you're from Chicago to Milwaukee. Yeah. I think I think that that I just that dedication alone. I think you're okay. <laughs> we could you know we could do a whole podcast on what a great city Milwaukee is too. I, I love Milwaukee. I do. I mean, um, it's uh, I mean I love Chicago, and I, I I never like to get into these things of comparing. Oh, you know this is better than that, but there are the scale of Milwaukee, which is I would say about one half to three quarters size of Chicago, has some real advantages. One is. You can put your car away 
when you get there. So like when here when you say, Oh well that concert's on the south side and then three hours later that wine tasting is on the west side, that really means you're either gonna have to drive or take a bus like ten to fifteen miles. In Milwaukee it means you're gonna walk maybe eighteen blocks at the most. So you know, when we would go to Bastille Day, which is on the, what we would call the near north side in Chicago. I don't know what they call that neighborhood in Milwaukee, but from there to where the um, trendy little south, what's that called, the 26th Ward or the... Okay. Uh, the thir- 13th Ward? Third, third Ward? Third Ward. Third Ward. Yeah, so from Cathedral Square to the Third Ward is basically a 20-minute walk. You don't, you don't need to get a cab, you don't need to Uber, you, don't, you can rent a bike if you want. But you can just hoof it, and then you're in the little restaurant district, and then the antique district or the arts, the arts and crafts places are right there. Festival Park is a mile east, and then um, you can actually even even if you want to, if you stay because we stayed at the casino one year, we actually walked from the south side to Meyer Park and then back to the casino, and you know, and I'm not going to say that's. It, it's it's a walk. I mean, it's it's a couple of miles, but you can do it. In Chicago, you simply could not walk from say um, a Sox game, you know, to a Bulls game. It, it, it's just simply not physiologically possible. It's just too far of a distance. And even if you had to drive it in Milwaukee, let's say for whatever reason you wanted to drive it, mm-hmm. you still it would take you a quarter of the time that it would take you for the same distance here, and right. you'd be able to find parking without. An, an issue, which True. is one of the things I've always appreciated appreciated about Milwaukee is I like that it's a little bit smaller um, because it is a little bit more accessible, as you said. Right. But I think that because of that, that brings a little bit of uniqueness to Milwaukee because um, you can bring in certain diversity that sometimes I think Chicago gets uh, more franchises in the same old right. where you really get a lot of individual uniqueness in that yeah. smaller... Milwaukee still has taverns. We yes. do we do here, but they're getting a little bit harder to find. We have more... We're starting to see kind of like the chain taverns where, you know, the sort of faux Irish tavern that's really just <laughs> a corporation from, you know, Portland or whatever. And... Um, yeah, Milwaukee's also a great bike riding city because I've gone out there a couple of times. A great bike path. The art museum is pretty cool, and you can drink beer in the art museum, <laughs> which um, is a really. Good, if you're from Chicago, I mean they have alcohol at the art institute, but at least at certain events in, at the Milwaukee Museum, they actually let you walk around with. Glass of wine or beer, which I think is pretty awesome. That's a very Milwaukee thing. They <laughs> yes, also have this weird clock thing, which, since half of my family were, were German, Lutheran, Missouri, sitted, very rigorous, on time type engineering people, I can totally relate to this needing to be on time all the time. And in Milwaukee, I don't know if it's an artifact of their, the designers or the architects, but almost every building has a clock on it. And uh, so that kind of appeals to my obsessive compulsive <laughs> side. And um, they also have this uh, 
strange obsession with cathedral type architecture. Mm-hmm. Um, the city hall in Milwaukee is actually a masonry constructed building designed to look like a, a Gothic cathedral or something. And we actually, Amy and I and Lori, we were scheduled to do the architecture walk, but then something happened that weekend. I don't know if there was a snowstorm or some crazy climatological event, <laughs> and we missed it. But um, I, w- I definitely want to check that building out. Yeah, so. I love Milwaukee. I mean, I would um, just, the Midwest is getting a little bit too cold in the winter, but other than that, you know. And Milwaukee has a very vibrant circus tradition, not so much a pole tradition. There's Blush, there's two other studios, but there is a history from Baraboo, Wisconsin, and um, Milwaukee has two areas, and I'm blocking on the name of this neighborhood. On Kinnikinnick, south of the city, what's that called? Bayview? Uh, Bayview. Yes. Between 25th and... Bayside? Bayside or Bayview. I get them confused. I know, I live there and I should know better, yeah. but I've been away for a while. Because one's on the north and one's on the south side. Right. Well, this area I'm thinking of is between, I want to say, 2,500 and 3,500. It's got it's South? Gotta be, yeah, south. Yeah, and they have... There's definitely a... It's smaller than in Chicago, but there's a bit of a counterculture arts community there where there are some strange fusion restaurants, um, you know, like Korean and Mexican or whatever. And uh, there's also in that neighborhood a haberdashery and a malin. I know I'm going to say this word wrong, millinery. So a haberdashery is men and a millinery is women, the hats. And they actually have a, I don't know what you call it, it's like an ironing board, but it's shaped like a hat. So they take the felt and the starch and they press your hat and they make it. So if a, if a woman comes in and wants a particular kind of decorative hat, you can pick the lace and the trim and the felt and then put the starch on it and make, you know, makes, makes that hissing sound. It's really interesting. And it's right there, um, a little bit south. So yeah, there's a lot of cool stuff to do there. And um, But I think people get surprised that there will be the pole there or the circus or anything yeah. because it is smaller. So the the, the thought yeah. is that they wouldn't have such... Uh, and I think a lot of people would equate them with being more conservative than a Chicago and especially to have something of that sort. I have talked about this issue quite a bit um, with people from Milwaukee and... Um, there is a sense that, um, yeah, Milwaukee is a bit more conservative. I'm not sure if that's just because of its, you know, cultural, ethnic, and religious traditions. Um, here in Chicago, uh, many of the Pulse studios are fairly aggressive in doing, um, for example, um, Rising Goddess has done um, silent auctions, Make-A-Wish Foundation, have done fundraisers involving children's charities and even had kids come into the studio uh, for various charitable things they do. Um, one of the pole studios here regularly participates in the bridal fair where they um, take the portable, the stage poles out. Some of the people I've talked to in Milwaukee seem to think that, that the city is probably a little bit more conservative and that 
it wouldn't be received as well there as it is here. And I don't know, that could be just a factor of the size of the city. Um, I'm going to say what Milwaukee's about a little bit under a million, am I right? I think so. Chicago's about three and a half million. And the cultural mix is different. I mean, I, I was, my father's side was, you know, they were kind of old school German Lutherans, so, you know, I'm very familiar with that. You know, that tradition, which is very strong in Milwaukee. It's a little bit more reserved. Is that a good way to put it? That's a good reserved. way to put it. Reserved. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know, I do get that. And, um, but you know, I'm not, I think that to some extent, that kind of makes pole more interesting, the fact that we're kind of, it's, you know, sometimes stigma can be a little bit good, you know, it can um, make something a little bit more fun and exciting to do. Um, and it, it probably, you know, every city is a little bit different. Uh, if you go to somewhere like New York, uh, you have a studio like Body and Pole, which is pretty famous for uh, supplying television talent. Some of their polars have been on TV. Actually, some of ours have, too. Um, two studios here in Chicago have provided talent to... There is a show about the fire department here, and I I just can't remember the name of it. I'm so embarrassed. But um, I think it's, Backdraft, is, that, is it called? Or? I don't know. No. There's a couple of them. Chicago PD or something. Yeah. Well, oh, with the firefighters. Yeah. With the firefighters, yeah. yeah. And three or four pole dancers from studios here have had cameos on that show. And, but I think in New York, Body and Pole is pretty famous for really producing pole dancers of a superlative caliber um, who are, uh, you know, kind of multi-skilled, multi-talented, like Stephen Ratchless is one example. Um, and again, I'm just terrible with names. It all flies out of my head. But And then L.A. is another city. Well, you know, L.A., because of Hollywood and everything, there's probably no limits on, on what kinds of activities you can you can do there in that sense. You know, this is the Midwest, so we're a little bit a little bit slower to adapt to things. But that being said, um, there are pole studios everywhere. I mean, there's one in Fargo, North Dakota. Um, the University of Illinois had a, a club that um, Cassie Palmer ran for many years, and, and some other people, um, the, the Illini Pole Club, which morphed into a business which is still in existence in Champaign-Urbana. Um, there, are, there are pole studios in the South, um, many in Atlanta. I'm thinking of Torwa Joe's studio in Atlanta, and, there, and Nashville has a number. Of course, the Chrome Bar, Alethea's studio. Iowa, which has not only a pole studio, but a very large circus school. So yeah, there it's we're all over the place, but I think that studios do sort of have to adapt their posture to the local cultural conditions. So you know how what, what how you see a studio marketing itself, or how much visibility they they might have, like whether or not they decide to be have a float on the Fourth of July parade is going to depend a lot on how that community feels about a pole studio. There are going to be places that are going to think, hey, this is really cool. There are going to be places that are 
not receptive to that. And so you do, owners really do have to respond to that. You know, they have to, you know, it's kind of like you like move the marker a little bit. Then maybe next year you'll put your stage pole out in front for 10 minutes. <laughs> See if you can get away with it. Well, before we wrap up, I'd like to give you an opportunity. If somebody is thinking about doing pole, what would you say to get them to go, you know, because the hardest thing is getting through the door, right? right? That's always the hardest thing. What would you say to them or any last words you would want to say to anybody that's thinking about it or interested? I would definitely encourage them to try it. And I would just, yeah, reiterate your point that it, it's all kind of in your mind about crossing that threshold. Once you get inside the studio, you're going to find um, that most of the people, no, all of the people in the studio are pretty much regular folks. One of the things I think that intimidates some women that may think about a pole class is that they think that when they go in there that everybody else is going to be really good or they're already an exotic dancer and they're going to be so much sexier and more skilled and that's that's totally not what it's like you know in a beginner's class it's going to be mostly people that are beginners and many of the women who have danced you know in their life before work if they're in a pole studio they're not there because they want to show off and make you feel uncomfortable they're there because they are really committed to the whole pole community the pole movement the notion of using dance as a way to feel empowered and to build skills. And they're not going to be, you know, trying to freak you out or intimidate you. So, um, and I would say if if I can do it at 55 years old and overweight, you can definitely do it. So, um, yeah, that's what I would say. Well, thank you very much for letting me record this. I, very I appreciate it. I've really, I like I said, you truly ins- have inspired me in so many ways, and I love watching every everything that you do. And and I'm so blessed that uh, Amy has introduced me to you, and so I can follow your Facebook and see. Uh, is it Sunday Bum Day? And <laughs> oh yeah, that's a great tradition too. Yeah, I don't even know how that got started, but. Yeah, we do we do, do some, some crazy things that I always try to tell people. You know, a lot of it is kind of, it is kind of silly. It's fun, you know. And it, it, a really important thing in poll is, for heaven's sake, do not take yourself too seriously. Sometimes I think we do have a tendency in poll community to take our theory just a little bit too seriously. It really is about having fun. That's, that's a good part of it. And um, mostly when you go to a poll studio... There's a lot of laughing and hilarity. Um, there's not a lot of judgment. And in fact, there's no judgment. It's, it's just a good time.